We're learning Dafya tests. We're starting from the Mishnah six, seven lines down. So we remember that we discussed at different times when to lean the Megillah. We discussed at uh, 14th, 15th, one for walled and unwalled cities. And we also have the villagers who are reading it on the Monday or Thursday before Perm out of leniency that they, you know, since they're always giving the food and drink, so they have the leniency that they can read it early. So the Mishnah says, Ben ear shahalach What happens if there's someone from, a, from an ear? I mean, ear means a regular unwalled large city, but then suddenly he goes on a trip to a walled city. Or, that, that, or conversely, Ben Krach, shahalach You have a person from a, from a walled town who now is going to an unwalled town. So the question is, when does he read the Miguel? On the 14th or the 15th? In both cases. Do you go after where you're from or where you presently are? So, if you're going to return to your place, then you read the Megillah on the same day as the place where you're from. But if you're not going to return, then you read with them. Then you read on the same day the place where you're currently visiting. So the Gemara is going to explain when are you going to return, right? The Gemara, the, the Mishnah is a little bit vague. It just says if you plan on returning to the place where you live, then you read like the place where you live. But if, if, if you're not planning on returning to the place where you live, then you read with, uh, on the same day of the place where you currently are. So we have to see when exactly you're going to return by. The Mishnah leaves out that variable. The Mishnah says, if you are planning on returning, then you go back, then you're going to read with the place where you're from, where you're, where you're, your main place of residence. But return by when, that variable still has to be worked out. Says the Mishnah, now a new, totally new discussion. We referenced this yesterday. What point in the Megillah does a person have to read to be Yodze? Meaning we have the whole book, the whole story. Is there any perhaps more essential part? And you could just say, you know, I got, I got the important part and you're Yodze with that. So we actually had an interesting dispute. Rabbi Meir, Omer, Kula, Rabbi Meir says the way we intuitively know the halach is you have to read all of it. Rabbi Yudah says it's really from only Ishihudi. And we'll see exactly in the Svar what, what the Svar is. It's only from the first mention of Mordechai. That's only Akhar Dvar Ma'ila. That's when the first mention of Haman Paragimel. Okay. So now we, we get to the Gemara. The Gemara analyzes. We said that if the city, the city dwellers in the walled place or the walled places in the city, and we want to know, should I read where you are, where you're from? So we said it depends. If you are planning on returning to where you're from, then you read according to the place that you're from. But if you're not going to return to where you're from, you read according to where you presently are. So when are you going to return by? The din that you read, like the place where you're from, is only where you're planning on returning on the night of the 14th. So before the Zman of the mitzvah is going to come, before the daybreak will come, remember daybreak, the dawn, uh, when there's light, that's the Zman of the mitzvah to read the Megillah during the day. So if at that point you plan on being back in your original town, so then you read according to your original town. But if you've got this guy um, who, who, who is not planning on returning during the night of the 14th, you're still going to be in the town where you are at daybreak, then he should read with them. He should read on the 14th of Adar in the place where he's currently visiting. So basically we're saying... Here you have a guy um, and, 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 and who's, who's normally, in a, let's say, pick it both ways. He normally lives in a walled city. Right now, he's in an unwalled city on the evening on the 14th. And he's trying to say, you know, let's just give some names to make it practical. He's from Yerushalayim, and now he's out in Ramat Beit Shemesh, and it's the night of the 14th. And he's confused. You know, do I read the Megillah now on the 14th, or do I read back in Yerushalayim? What's the deal? So we say that if, you, if, if you're planning on being there until after daybreak on the morning of the 14th, then you're considered like you're a resident of uh, that place, like you're in the place of the 
the of the fourteenth, and you read like them. But if you're planning on going on back, and, and that would be both for the night and the and the morning reading. But if you're planning on going back before daybreak, then you would read in accordance with the uh, with the walled city. So it all really depends on your plans of whether or not you're going to return uh, to the town where you're from at daybreak. That's the way that the Gemara teaches it up. Now the Gemara says, Amar Rava, how do I know this? Now, in other words, let's just bring out the Chiddush. The Chiddush of Rava is that it's such a big Chiddush that you're considered to be part of the place where you're visiting, even though you're not even necessarily planning on being there the entire day. Imagine that guy from Yishalayim went to Ramah Jamesh. He's there, it's the night of the 14th. He's planning on going back at 8 a.m. tomorrow to Yishalayim. We're still going to tell him, no, right now you're living, you are a resident of Ramah Jamesh. You're here for the night. You're not, you're not going to return during the night. You're not leaving until 8 a.m. tomorrow. Then you're a resident of Ramah Jamesh. So Rabbi's like, he needs a makar for that. It's a very big chiddish. Somebody could say that, no, the bottom line is he's not even for the full day going to be Ramah Jamesh. So who said he's really considered to be in the Amal place? So I'll bring you a proof. The language in the Pasuk is that the unwalled places who live in the unwalled towns. So it's obviously redundant, that phrase. It says that Jews who are from the unwalled places. Why does the phrase that have to come and repeat who live in the unwalled towns. Obviously, people from an unwalled town are living in an unwalled town. Hakamashwan, it's informing us the paras ben yominikra paras that someone who's in an unwalled town, even if it's only for one day, only for this part of the day of the fourteenth, he's considered to be a resident of that place. Um, he's considered to be a resident of that place, even though at some point during the fourteenth, he's actually going to go back. So it's it's like a double thing. The people from the unwalled places. Or even if you're not from the unwell place, but you're living in the unwell place. What does that mean? Even if you're really Yerushalayim, a person from Yerushalayim, but right now, today on Purim, Lamaisa, you're present both at night and in the, the Iker's Man, when it comes in daybreak, you're going to still be there. Then Lamaisa, you're Mechuyev to read the Megillah in accordance to the place where you are. So that speaks about that direction, where you're from a walled city, but you're now currently in an unwalled city. We say that as long as your plan is to remain there until daybreak, then you completely read like the unwalled city. What about the inverse? And we see the scriptural for the person to what's considered to be an unwalled place. How do I know that I have the same thing with a walled place? So the Gemara says, Svar, what's a Svar? I mean, the Paras, Yamakar Paras, just like the person who's, even though he's going to be in the unwalled town, he reads like the unwalled town, even though he's only going to be there for a short time. So Mokav Ben Yomo, Karim Mokav, it's a Svar that we should say the inverse as well, that someone who's in a walled place for a day is considered to be a resident of the walled place, despite the fact, um, despite the fact that, uh, that he might have plans to return to return quickly. So a Misa, someone from Ramah B'Chemesh, Misa is in Yerushalayim, and it's the 15th, even if he has plans to return, um, even if he has plans to return, he still has to, he still, he still, he still is considered to be person in a wall, so then he has to read. Now it's very complicated, there's so many variables which are not in the Gemara. The Gemara is just telling us one thing, Yerushalayim, like your wall, unwalled, walled, are your plans to go back before daybreak. If your plans are, go, are planned to go back before daybreak, then you're like the, pers- the place of your residence, your Iker residence. If your plans are not to go back until, are not to return until after daybreak, then you're like the place where you are. That's really all we get. But like, let's say a Pasha child, let's say your 14th, you're in Amat Beit then you go to Yerushalayim. Does that mean you have to read the Megillah again? Do you have to read it twice? Is that what we're saying? Do we ever make that point? Not really. So what are we really discussing about the person who was planning on going back? I guess we would mean, let's say you're from Amat Beit Shemesh, and Lamai, so you're in Yerushalayim for, I don't know, a couple days. You're there on the 14th, and then you're planning on going back to Amat Beit Shemesh sometime on the 15th. That's what we were talking about when we said you read like the Yerushalayim. But as if you were planning on going back on the night of the 15th, then when would you read? You would read on the 14th. Whereas if you're only planning on going at 8 a.m., 
then you would read like the Yerushalayim of people. But let's say if someone from, was in Ramah Pashemesh on the 14th and he read, and now he's back in Yerushalayim, we don't necessarily know he has to read again at all, even if he's not planning on going back until 8 a.m. I'm just pointing out there's a lot of complexity here. There's a bunch of other variables as well, but we're just, we're just touching the surface here. What we're touching is the basic fact that the Mishra and Gemara are explaining is that if you want to know, if, you're, if you read according to the place where your primary residence is, if you read in accordance to where you presently are, the one variable that we have is if your plans are not to return to your primary residence until after daybreak on that day, either the 14th or 15th, depending if you're in an unwalled or walled place, then you read in accordance to the place where you are, Whereas if you're planning on returning during the night, then you uh, read in accordance to the place where your main residence is. Okay, now the Gemara continues. That was all for walled and unwalled. What about you have a villager? And now this is going to get confusing. In this discussion, we're talking about that he already read the Megillah. You have a Ben Kvar. This is switching. This is like this is a little bit tricky. Until now, we haven't necessarily been saying, I read it once, should I read it again? The discussion was just, should I read it now, or 15th or 14th? But now we're going to switch gears just a little bit. Switching shilas. You have a Ben Kvar, a person from the village. So he had the kula he was allowed to read on Monday and Thursday before Purim. So he did that. Now he goes to a town. And now he shows up in the big city. He's under the big lights. And now the shila is, it's Purim, it's the 14th. So we say, Ben Kach, Ben Kach. He's going to remain in town until the day. He's not going to return to town until the day. Bottom line is, you're in the big city. And then it's the night of the 14th. And there's Megillah Laini. You have to read the Megillah again. And again, that's not necessarily what we've been discussing until now. Until now, we're discussing walled and unwalled. Are you from an unwalled place? Or are you from an unwalled place? And now you're, you're presently in the other type. Here we're discussing you're from a village. You read early because you're from the village. And now on the night of the 14th, you're in a big city. You're mechliv to read again. That's the dinner of the Gemara. My time and what's the reason? Because really, the essential halachas you should read on Purim. The whole halacha that you could read early, the rabbis gave this wild leniency that you could read early on Monday and Thursday in order that they're supplying the, the, the food and drink to their brothers in the towns. So, that leniency only makes sense to apply to a villager in his place. When he's in his village on the 14th, if he's in the town on the 14th, then for sure he has to read the Megillah on the same place on that day as a resident of the town. So let's just think this through for a second. What's the Svar of the Gemara? So on Dafdalid, we learned that there's an interesting discussion about what it means that they have a leniency to read on Monday and Thursday because they give food and drink. One interpretation is that because on the 14th we want them busy supplying food to the big cities for their per meal. That's why we want them free and open to be busy with their grain out in the field and bringing it into the city. That's why we tell them to read it early. If we go like that, then the Gemara is beautiful because that makes sense for someone who's in the village going and, you know, gathering the corn to bring in for the Purim suit. But if you're not, if for whatever reason, now let's say you read the Miguel early, but for whatever reason, you're inside of a big city on, on the 14th, and about you should be if The leniency doesn't make sense for you. The whole leniency is, don't be bothered to read the Megillah on the 14th. Instead, be busy supplying food and drink for the Purim meal. But if you're not, you're in the big city, you're not out there in the corn, bring, bringing the corn in from the village, then you, you should be to read it at the Iker time. What if you go load like the other Pshad in the Gemara and Daftal? The other Pshad in the Gemara was that it's not so that you give the food and drink for the Purim Suda. The Svar of the Gemara was as a reward for the fact that you generally supply the cities with food, we gave you a leniency that you don't have to read on the 14th. If that's the Vart, then does the Svar of the Gemara make as much sense? Well, when we're saying the Megillah, do we also say Matanas, the Adyanim, and 
So we 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 learned about that. Matanas said Yonim will always go with Mikra Megillah, but the other things not. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I don't know I'm not sure how well the Gemara fits with the other way, but that that's the bottom line of what the Gemara is saying is that if a, for whatever reason the villager read it early, but now on Purim he's found here he's mechuyev to do to do Purim like the to do to do it this way, and therefore even if he's going to return before daybreak, so you don't even have that whole svar, he still is mechuyev to go. So it's like a little bit of a riddle. A yid who's mechuyev to read the Megillah twice in the Gemara is this guy, the villager, because again the essential din is to read it on the fourteenth. There was a special random kula you could read it early. But it doesn't make sense when he is in the big city on the 14th to absolve him of the essential chiv and say, oh, he read it already. This is your chiv. You're here. Why not show up? So therefore, he's mechuyiv. Says the Gemara, is ve'abai. Abai asked on Rava from a price. This is a classic piece of Gemara. What does it mean? We're going to bring a price where the text is clearly wrong. There's something wrong with the price. We have to amend it. And we're going to amend it in a way that's going to make a kasha. Okay, so what does it say in the price? It says, "Ben If a city person from a city goes to an Anah town, whether or not he's going to remain in the town until the morning or leave before the morning, he always reads the Megillah on the same day as where the people that he is from." So the Gemara says that's not true. Right? Is that true that the person at the wall versus unwalled that it's always reads like the place where he's from? Does it make sense that the text is this? The Ben Krach We know that from the Mishnah that clearly it depends whether it, it it does depend whether he's planning on returning before the morning. How could the price say that whether or not he's planning on returning he always reads like his regular place? The price has to be amended. Not to talk about Ben Krach, but a Ben Kfar. We're talking about a villager who's visiting a town, and that's what it's talking about. And it's saying that no matter what, you read like the same day as the people in, you, in the village, meaning you do not have to repeat. Once you read, you read. That's exactly the point that the prize was making in, in disagreement with what Rava. Rava said that even though you read it early, but when you show up on Purim now in the, in the city, you got to read it again. We think now that the prize should be amended to state the opposite. That when the villager shows up in the town, he's planning returning, he's not planning returning, it doesn't even make a difference. He, he, he never has to, he doesn't have to read it again. He already read the Megillah on the early, like the Yom HaKnisa, he's good. So Akash on Rava, so the Gemara says, we'll have to read the Metarsis. Didn't you just amend the prize to conveniently make Akasha? So I'll amend the prize to conveniently make it work out. Tani Koreiman, instead of having the garrison and the Brisa that you should read in accordance to the villagers, meaning that you don't have to read him again, will amend the Brisa to say, you're Mechuyiv to read again, like the, like the cities. So we're just, what the point is, once you see an error in the text and you start making Hagos, so why don't we just conveniently amend it in a way that works out with what Rava said. So bottom line is, we've defended it, and we're saying that the halacha is, when the villager shows up in the big city, even though he read the Megillah, he in fact should read the Megillah again. All right, now we analyze the second part of the Mishnah Mechan Koran and Megillah. From where does a person read the Megillah? Uh, so Tanya, we get a bunch of opinions. In the Mishnah, we just had three opinions. The whole thing, Rabbi Yudha said Yishihudi, Rabbi Yosi said Achar Tvarmela. Now in the Bride of Shemri, Chayyim Vulailahu. Vulailahu, the second half of the, Megillah, of the Megillah, right? The Paragvav. All four opinions are all looking at the same Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Batithlavazar Malka Mordechai Yudi as called Tokev. And that Esther, Malka, Mordechai, Yudi, they wrote down, we're talking about them writing the Megillah, that they wrote down all of the tokef. What, are the, what is the tokef? Tokef means the powerful acts. They, that's the Megillah. The Megillah is defined as the powerful acts. So what powerful acts? One who says that the whole Megillah, he says it's referring to the power of Achashverosh. So when his power is throughout the whole Megillah, right? Even right in the beginning of the Megillah, we see Achashverosh's power. So that's why you have to read the whole thing. The opinion says, Ishihudi means the power of Mordechai. So we only start from the first mention of Mordechai. That's referring to the power of Haman. So you only have to start from Parak Gimel. That's the first mention of Haman. 
The one who says from parak sheet from the sixth parak, they're talking about when the miracle changes the power of the miracle. And that's, that's really the point that the turning point in the Purim story is the second half of the Megillah, when the king's night, right? When the king's night is disturbed and they bring the chronicle, so on and so forth. Says the Gemara, or an alternative source. The Megillah says, What's the Purim story? What reason did they see and what happened to them? So, what is that a reference to? The one who says you read the whole Megillah, he explains the Pasuk. What did Achashverosh literally see that compelled him to use the Kalim of the base on Mikdash? He saw this. He calculated 70 years and they weren't yet redeemed. And what occurred to them because of that? He called Vashi. So, now there's clearly the Megillah is depicting like a cause and effect. Someone saw X, did this, and therefore something happened. So, what is that a reference to? So, one opinion is that we want to read the story about how Achashverosh calculated 70 years, made a mistake, and Kill, ended up killing Vashti because of it. He interprets the Pasuk, what provoked, why did Mordechai do something to, to provoke Haman and not bow? For this, the answer is, what happened to them? So that's the whole miracle which occurred because of that. So therefore we read the story of Mordechai. The one who says from the story of Haman, we say, What caused Haman to be upset at all the Jews? On this, because Mordechai did not bow. And what, what happened to them because of it? Everybody got hanged on the gallows. The last opinion that you start from What did Achashverosh see to tell his servants to bring the record books? On this is because Esther invited Haman to attend the banquet. That's what made him nervous. Remember, we learned about that. That that's what made him nervous. He thought that he, uh, Esther was getting too close to Haman. So what happened to the Jews through this? A miracle occurred. The Gemara Paskins, Amr Abchal, Amr Abchal, Amr Abchal, Amr Abchal, Allah, Amr Abchal, Allah, Amr you have to read the entire Megillah. And even according to the opinion, you'd only have to read from Yeshihudi. It all has to be written in front of you in the scroll. Meaning, even if you only have to read from the part that starts with Mordechai, the text, the body of the Megillah in front of you, has to have the entire thing. But Lamai said the Gemara saying, we Paskin, you have to read the whole thing. Okay. Says the There's an interesting thing about the Megillah. First of all, it says it's, it's called a Sefer, but it's also called a letter. The The language in the Megillah is that it's called a letter. Letter is more casual. Sefer is more formal. So in what sense is it a book and in what sense is it a letter? So It's called a Sefer to teach us that it has a halacha like a Sefer Torah in the sense that if it would be sewn together, the, the parchment would be sewn, there are different pieces of parchment that are sewn together. So if they would be sewn together with ordinary threads, let's say of linen, then it's not kosher. You can't do that. You can't use linen for it. You got to use specifically, you know, from the animal. Like you got to use something special. You can't use some ordinary linen threads, you know, to sew it together. And you have to be garrets, but it's still casual. It's called a letter. You just stitched, stitched it with three with three strands of sinew, it's good. I say for Torah, you need the stitching all along the sections. It has to be, you can't just have, you can't just have three stitches. You need more stitches. Say for Torah has to be mostly enjoined together with the stitches. But this, Megillah is more casual, just three stitches suffices. Say for Torah is all stitched up except for a small portion on the top and a small portion on the bottom. If you look ever carefully at the cloth, you'll notice that. But a Megillah can be more casual, it's just like a letter. So as long as there's three stitches and connecting the pieces of parchments, it's valid. But they should be like they shouldn't be like you know randomly placed they should be like 
proportionally placed throughout the parchment so that it's, it's, it looks in a, in a more of an orderly fashion. So, but you only need three. You don't need so many. All right, says the Gemara, one other halacha. By the way, just want to mention something really quickly. We learned yesterday's daf, um, this whole fascinating halacha that we can't get over. You don't, you don't really have to, uh, have, to read, have, have to read every word from the ksav, right? We said if you ever miss a word, you just quickly say it to yourself. We said even more that some of the words could be missing. It still would be good if some of the words were rubbed out. Rubbed out. As long as it's not, not more than half the words, then it's okay. So you could literally have an old Megillah only half the words are legible and everything is still okay. In fact, I should say something really interesting. It says in Shulchan Aruch, it says in Shulchan Aruch that hypothetically, it's bidiyavet, but hypothetically, if there were, let's say, nekudos and half the words of the Megillah, it would be kosher, right? Because it's not worse than if half the words were gone, right? Or if, let's say, the truck was there, half the way it was dropped, it still would be good, bidiyavet. You got all these things, very interesting halachas about Megillah. So most of the Rishonim understand that this halacha is unique to Megillah. By Sefer Torah, which Dan asked about yesterday, by Allah is not that way. By the Sefer Torah, every single letter has to be there. You have to read everything from the Sefer Torah, so on and so forth. What's the chilek? The chilek is that the dinim is because it's called the nigeris. Goof of what we're seeing here in the Gemara today, that it's a little bit more casual. It's called the letter we're seeing in the Gemara in regarding to the number of stitches. But, but, but the Rishonim applied it to that din that we saw yesterday. That's really the source why we're so lenient in terms of the, the structure of the way the Megillah is written. Amar of Amar Shmuel. Fascinating din. Let's say, instead of having an individual Megillah's Esther, you have an entire book of Ksufim, right? You got a whole book of Navi here, right? So it's like all parts together. You've got all the books, all the Megillah's, all the books there. And you just get to the section that has the Megillah and you start reading. What's the din? Lo Yotza. You're not Yotze. Unbelievable thing. What's the pshat? So some Rishonim learn, Rashi's imply that Igeres, and this is where it comes up with the Chumrah, the fact that it's a casual letter is actually a stringency, meaning it shouldn't be read as just one of the books of Ksuvim. It should be clear and defined that it's its own thing. Really interesting. So it's got to be its own individual book. But that's only an issue if the portions of the, of the sections of the parchment of Megillus Esther aren't somewhat shorter or longer. If the portions of the, of the parchment from Megillus Esther are shorter or longer, then it's okay. Why? Because then it's apparent that it's distinct, that it's its own book. Our issue is only when like, oh, it just looks like you're learning Torah, you just like have a whole book together. So then the Pirsim Hanis, the publicity of the fact that you're being Pirsim Hanis by reading the Megillah, that's thrown off. But if the parchment would be longer or shorter, then it would be okay. Have a master of my art report Continues the Gemara, Levi Barashmuel, Avakakari, coming to Revita, Megillah, the Megillah, Ksuvan, Ksuvan. This once happened. Levi Barashmuel was reading for Revita, and he's reading from a Megillah, where it was Ksuvan, 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 was written with all their stuff. So Amalei said to him, Ari Amru, Akram, 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 so in other words, he was telling him he was wrong. And the Gemara says, so this story happened also like this with somebody else. He hit it on the head, meaning he qualified it. But Sibor Shanu, this din, that it can't be read from, 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 from a whole Ksuvim because only in public. What's the shot? It's only in public. What does that mean? If you're reading it privately in your house, this din doesn't apply. Then you can read it from a Ksuvim book. This din, you have to read it from an independent Miguel's Esther. It's only when you're reading it in public. What does that mean? So some Rishonim understand that what it means is it's only when you're reading the Megillah early, like on the Yom HaKnisa, like on the, you know, the 11th, 12th, or 13th. Since you're not reading it on the primary day, then it's less nicker to begin with that you're really reading the Megillah's Esther for the Mitzvah Pershmanitza. Somebody might say, I don't know, you're, you're practicing, you're, uh, you're learning, whatever. So then we have the qualification, it has to be its own thing. But when it's on Purim itself, then it's okay. That's why some learn, others learn, no, it's not Betzibor. When you're doing a Betzibor, there's a whole Indian of Pershmanitza. Pursuing Nisa dictates that it should be clear and distinct that it's Megillah's Esther. No one should, it shouldn't be apparent 
shouldn't be any room for someone to say maybe he's just learning. But whenever it's biyachid, then we don't care about it. You leave a margin on top of the stitches, meaning, right, the stitches don't go the entire way. Even though they fill up the, the, the parchment, connecting the parchment, they go, they, there's a little bit on top and on bottom where it's left out that, that on the Sefer Torah, that's Halacha Moshe Messina. But he hit it on the head, he qualified it, he said, by the way, really, it's the rabbis only said that the margin is left, so it shouldn't rip. Meaning it's not like a din, but it's just that if the whole length of the parchment were sewn, then the seams would tear whenever you would roll it too tightly. So if you leave the space then, then you would notice if you're rolling it too tightly because the, the parchment would begin to separate a little bit. So therefore, it's just a practical that you should leave some top and bottom of the parchment. Says the Gemara, and this is totally irrelevant to what we're learning, but just a nice tangent of Torah from Right, Remember, Moshe and Elio, um, we're, we're, we're in a cave, and then Hashem's glory passed outside the cave, right? Moshe, Parshish, Kisisa, he wanted to, to, to get closer to Hashem, to understand the ways of Hashem. So Moshe stands in the cave, and then the glory of Hashem passed on the outside. So if even the size of the eye of a needle remained in the cave where they were, meaning if it wouldn't be completely closed off, Right, if it wouldn't have been completely closed off, they would not have been able to stand there because the light of the Shekhinah would have been too bright. No person can see me and live. So even when the Shekhinah is passing outside, it has to be completely closed off or else they wouldn't have been able to survive such a thing. Continues the Gemara. So we're talking about the Luchos. The Luchos was in accordance to the words of Hashem spoke to you on the mountain. So this teaches that maybe we're coming from the word kechol hadvarim, like all the things, meaning Hashem didn't only teach the Torah, he taught Moshe more than that. He taught him all the diktukim of Torah. What are the diktukim of Torah? So Rashi learns, it's like all the, all the drushes that we learn, you know, from S, Ach, Rak, all those like small minutia of details that we darshan were taught to Moshe, and even the Drabanant. Very interesting. Rashi says, the Tuesday Sofrim were taught to Moshe. So what is that? So Pashat, it means that the way that the, the, that the Torah Shabbat Peh was going to be taught. In other words, it doesn't just mean a random Dindar that comes up later in history. It means more of like the way, the, way, the way that the oral law was going to be done or no. Does it mean the way that the Rabbanan are Magdir, the oral law? So it's a very interesting thing. What exactly is Divrei Sofrim? You always hear that sometimes in the Rambam or Ramban. Discuss what is the terminology of divrei sofrim a reference to, but whatever it is exactly, something rabbinic, something oral is was taught to Moshe at Sinai. Masha sofrim asidin l'schadish and what they would innovate in the future that clearly is referring to a new din derabbanan. Mind you, what is that last statement referring to? Mikra Megillah is referring to Mikra Megillah. Why? Why would of all things you refer to teach him about Mikra Megillah? Well, why? All the things that the rabbis are going to say. He tells teaches in Mikra Megillah. So I think the vart is we have this on Dafidala that the Mikra Megillah is the only thing that the rabbis added. Right? We saw that, 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 again, there are many types of Rabbanans, but as we discussed, most Rabbanans aren't innovative in the sense that they're not creating a new law as much as they're protecting the laws of the Torah. And that's given to them. That's their natural jurisdiction. That's what the rabbis are there for. Mikra Megillah is one of the rare circumstances where the rabbis actually just create something brand new. So this is what the Gemara is telling us here is that it was all from Moshe. And as we saw in Daf Yudalad, Moshe had a source to do that. He made a Kavachom. I'm sorry, not Moshe. The, the, the Esther and Mordechai, they had, they had like a source um, that, that was a Kava Chomer from Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. But the Gemara is saying, even with that, you should know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu foresaw all that and, and was telling Moshe about it already at Sinai. It's an interesting thing. Does it mean it's Daraisa? 
know what the Pirmigalim says. Pirmigalim says, there's fake at the rice of the Chumrah and Mikra Megillah. If you're not sure if you missed a word, you have to hear it again. He says, Safik the rice of the Chumrah. Maybe not by the night reading. The night reading we saw might just be an added thing, but by the day reading, for sure, there's such a Chumrah. Okay, Zok the Mishnah, Hako, Ksherim, Likras, it's Megillah. Everybody can read the Megillah. Now, just one thing, obvious, obvious introduction is that when you're dealing with somebody being motzi somebody else, what does that mean? That means, it doesn't mean I do a mitzvah for you. I don't do my mitzvah for you. It means I read the Megillah, and then my reading is a reading of a mitzvah, and when you listen, so you're listening, and by your listening, it's as if you are reading. That's called Shemaiah Ka'ona. But the principle of Shemaiah Ka'ona, and that's how you say, the idea that it works off of is that if I'm reading, I'm doing the mitzvah. Meaning the, the reading that's being done is a reading of a mitzvah, then somebody listening to that could be listening, because, listening to that as Yotzeh as if he's reading the Megillah. But if the person reading is not doing the reading of a mitzvah, it's just a random reading, but it's not the reading of a mitzvah, as we'll speak about in a second, then even if I hear those words, you're not going to say my listening is as if I did the mitzvah myself. It has to all start that the person reading is reading of a mitzvah. If it's the reading of the mitzvah, then my hearing of that is tantamount to me doing the mitzvah as well. But I need that the person reading is being doing the mitzvah. So therefore, anyone could do it, but not a cheirishot Why? What do you mean? I'm hearing the Megillah. Why can't I say Shemei Kona? I'm listening, so it's like I'm reading it. Who cares who is the one triggering the words? Who is the word and when are you reading it? The answer is no. It's very important you said in Shemei Kona. Shemei Kona works that I'm hearing the mitzvah, then it's as if I'm doing the mitzvah. But if a cheirishot is doing it, they're not doing the mitzvah. Cheirishot Vakatan aren't mechuyiv. They don't have the din of the mitzvah. So if they don't have the din of the mitzvah, so when I'm listening to them, I'm not hearing the mitzvah. So even though I'm hearing the words of the Megillah and it's on Purim, but I'm not Yose through listening to the Shemei to the Now, what does it mean, the Cherish? What does that mean? There's the Cherish. There are two types of Cherish. Cherishes could be a deaf mute or just somebody who is deaf and can't hear. Which one do you think the Mishnah is talking about? A deaf mute or, or somebody who's just deaf? Just deaf. Deaf, deaf. What's your proof then? How is he reading, right? <laughs> How is he reading? Obviously, we got to be talking about someone who's not a deaf mute. He's, he's just deaf. Now, wait a second. Halachically, somebody who's deaf but is not mute, somebody who is deaf but is not mute, meaning he's able to talk, he has 100%, he has das, he's mechuyiv in mitzvahs, he happens to be, he can't hear the words that he's saying, right? So it's very interesting that the Mishnah says you can't be yotzeh from him. Shaita v'katan, we understand, they're not mechuyiv in mitzvahs. But, but what's pshat here in Cherish? What's going on? He's obviously reading the Megillah. So that's where we have to see the Gemara. It seems like the fact that he can't hear the words of the Megillah means that he can't have the mitzvah. In other words, to shake a lulav, there's no question a deaf person is mechuyiv to shake a lulav, right? You don't have to hear anything when you shake a lulav. So he's mechuyiv in the mitzvah. He has das. But, but reading the Megillah is a mitzvah he can't do. Why? Because you can't do a mitzvah that you can't perform, right? You're just an onus. So if you can't hear the Megillah, even though you can read the Megillah, he can't do the mitzvah. That's what it would sound like from the Mishnah. Rebido mashur katan. Rebido says a katan actually is okay. Why? Because it's a din of chinuch. So remember, reading the Megillah is only the Rabbana. And there's anyways a child is mechuyiv at chinuch. So on the same level that you're mechuyiv, the kid is mechuyiv. The kid's reading on a drabonan level, he's mechuyiv in chinuch, and you're mechuyiv on a drabonan level because it's Mikr Megillah. So, so very good, you could be Yosef from a katan. The Rabbanan held not. Why? Because it's a double Rabbanan. What does that mean, a double Rabbanan? I'm a chuyiv to read the Megillah. There, mid Rabbanan, he's a to do the mitzvah of Rabbanan, the kid. So the Rabbanan say, a trade Rabbanan can't be moti echad Rabbanan. Rabbanan says, no, it could. Bottom line is, you're both mechuyiv only at Rabbanan level. If, let's say, you're dealing with a mitzvah that's Daraisa, let's say, Parsha Zachar. There, everybody agrees a child can't read because he's only mechuyiv drabbanan. How can someone who's only mechuyiv drabbanan be mostly someone who's mechuyiv midaraisa? But here, where it's mikra migulah drabbanan, reviews are saying it works. Drabbanan say no, it's drabbanan that he's mechuyiv in the drabbanan. So a double drabbanan can't be mostly a single drabbanan. That's the machlokas. 
Says the Gemara, we're going to jump into this Cheresh business. The Cheresh sounds like he can't do the mitzvah. And that's why if he reads it for somebody else, they're not Yotze. Zok the Gemara, who is this Tana who says that a Cheresh, even B'Dievet, can't do the mitzvah? Amr of Mas Rabbiusi, we're going to only go like Rabbiusi. Now we said in the Mishnah, we learned this a couple of days ago. Somebody reads the Shema, but he can't hear the words that he said. He is still Yodze. Meaning, even if you, as long as you, you, you move your lips and say the words, even though you can't hear the words, you're still Yodze. Rabbiusi, Amr Loyas, Rabbiusi says you're not. Rabbiusi holds that when you have a Chiv Kriya, a Chiv to read something, it's only defined that you read it if you heard what you said. So like Rabbi Yaisi, what's going to come out? Very gishmak. A cheresh cannot do the mitzvah. Even with the effort, he's not, he just simply is incapable because he will never be able to hear what he says. He could say the words, he could scream the words, but he would never be able to hear it. So what do we see? According to Rabbi Yossi, it's very gishmak. A cheresh is not mechoyev, therefore he can't be mozi somebody else. Masha'enkin, if you go, if you go like, if you go like the Tanakama, then it wouldn't make sense. According to the Tanakama, somebody reads the Shema and doesn't hear what he says, is Yotze. So according to him, Cheresh uh, could do the mitzvah of Megillah. Even though he doesn't hear it, he could still do the mitzvah. So then he should be able to be mozi other people. Says the Gemara, you were assuming that the Mishnah means that even B'diavit. Therefore, you said it's Rabbi Yossi. Mimad Rabbi Yossi, B'diavit, Namilo. How do you know that the Mishnah is Rabbi Yossi? And that when it says that when the, the deaf person reads for somebody else, they're not Yotze, it means even B'diavit, they're not Yotze. Dumar Rabbi Maybe we will go on like Rabbi Yuda. And and when the Mishnah says a deaf person shouldn't read, it only means a deaf person shouldn't read. If he did read, it would be good. Meaning maybe really we hold that you don't have to have to, you don't have to hear what you say, but you should be able to hear what you say, but if you, if you can't hear it, you're still Yotze. And when the Mishnah says that a Cheresh shouldn't read, it doesn't mean that if a Cheresh reads, the person listening wasn't Yotze. It just means it shouldn't be done. Says the Gemara also got daitach because it said it with shaitz v'kan. Diktani cheresh v'mikat v'kan. It grouped it together with shaitz v'kan. Ma shaitz v'kan v'yavin amilo. Just as over there, if the shaitz are cut in bread, the person listening even but the evidence is not yotze because they're clearly they're not mechuliv at all. Al cheresh v'yavin amilo. So by the deaf person also, it's not just a preference that he shouldn't be the balkore. It's mashma from the fact that it's grouped together with the shaitz v'kan that even but the evidence he can't be the balkore. Must be that he's not he's not yotze. He's not doing the mitzvah at all, and that's why we said it's rabbiosi. So that's the Gemara. That's we we reject it. The malchadisa v'kadisa. Even though it's grouped together, they're different. The Shaitz B'Kan is not Mechoyev at all and the, the Cheresh is Mechoyev but the Evedi Kodlin and the Mishnah was just saying that we have a preference for him not to do it. So we don't have a proof that the Mishnah is not Rabbi Yudah. The Mishnah just said he shouldn't, he shouldn't be the Valkari. Maybe he's in his own category and maybe it's just an ideal preference for him not to be the Valkari but the Evedi if he was the person would be Yotze and our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yudah not like Rabbi Yossi. Says the Gemara but I'll show you the Mishnah is not Rabbi Yudah. What did the end of the Mishnah say? When we go to speak about a katan, Rabbi Yudah pipes up and disagrees. He says, I'm good with a katan. Rabbi Yudah, master of katan. Clearly, the beginning of the Mishnah was not Rabbi Yudah. Right? So we're playing a name game. If at the, the end of the Mishnah, in regards to the katan, Rabbi Yudah is disagreeing with the Tanakama, clearly the Tanakama was not Rabbi Yudah. Maybe it's all Rabbi Yudah. Um, but then, as we just said, me dummy, Rachel right? The Tanakama was saying that the katan is no good. And Rabbi responds and he says the katan is good. Clearly, Rabbi is talking to somebody else. It's not Rabbi speaking to himself, disagreeing with himself if the katan is good. So the Gemara says, Domakula maybe we should interpret the Mishnah all Rabbi katan. We're talking about two different types of katan. It's as if the Mishnah is missing words, and this is what it means to say. That we say a katan is no good. If he's too young to be trained. So there, he's, even if he happens to be, you know, just randomly knows the words of the Megillah, but he's not Mechoyim. 
So there, everybody would can see that if you hear from that katan in Nachai, in contrast, if you hear from a katan who already is a gil, the age of chinoch, afilu chatchila, then it would even be good to hear the megil chatchila from him. Share Rabbi Yudah Masher bekatan because Rabbi Yudah says a katan is good. So maybe it's really one long, long run-on statement of Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yudah is the author of the entire Mishnah, and when Rabbi Yudah says Masher bekatan, it doesn't mean a disagreement with someone who was talking before, but more a qualification of his own statement that when I said katan is no good, I only meant katan shlo in fact, would be good. So maybe really the mission is all Rabbi Yehuda. When it said Chayrish is no good, it only means Lechatchila shouldn't be no good. Really, it's okay, but the Evid, because you don't have to hear what you said. And 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 Cotton is just a continuation of Rabbi Yehuda. So what are we coming at? How are we interpreting the Mishnah? We're going like Rabbi Yehuda. And we're saying that by the opinion by Shema of Rabbi Yehuda is that it's only Lechatchila you should hear what you're saying. But the Evan, if you, if, if, if you do not, you're Yotze. So to hear by Megillah, the Cheresh Lechatchila should not be the Bakari. But the Evan, we would allow it. In other words, what we're saying is that even the Tanakhama by, by Shema holds that Lechatchila, it's preferable to hear the words of the Shema, only be the Avinah. That's the point that we're making, and therefore our Mishnah could be Rabbi Yehuda, and it's only preferable that the Cherish is not the Bakari, but the Avinah would be okay. But Frakti Kamara, Alatani, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, we have a Prisa, Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, he says, Cherish, you have a deaf person who could speak but cannot hear, you could take off Churma, even even though, what do you do before you take off Churma? You make a Bracha. Now, is that going to be a good din of a Bracha? Well, wait a second. If he can't hear what he's saying, then the Gemara assumes that you should have the same issue. Here it says, He is the best guy to take off the truma. Don't try to find somebody else to take off the truma. He is the best guy. Even though the bracha that he's going to say, he's not going to be able to hear. So Mani, who is this price you're going like? Rabbi Yehuda, you just explained to me that even Rabbi Yehuda, who allows the person to say Shema if he can't hear it, is only saying, but the evidence okay, but not Lechatchila. And that's why you argue that the Mishnah could be Rabbi Yehuda and Cheresh is not preferable for him to, for him to be the Balkore. So he can't be him. Rabbi Yehuda wouldn't allow Lechatchila, the Cheresh, to take off Shema because his bracha is not a Lechatchila to bracha. Rabbi Yehuda, then it certainly is no good. The Evan Amilo. Rabbi Yehuda has been saying, that afilu b'diavid, we don't justify a shema that can't be heard. Afilu b'diavid, a cheresh can't be a balkore. So according to Rabbi Yudha, certainly we're not going to justify a cheresh taking off trima. Now let me just ask you a question in the language of the Gemara. Not that it matters with the flow of the Gemara, but from the language. Do you think it means that diviavid nami lo that the trima that he take that he took off b'diavid wouldn't be a good trima? Now all the only problem is in the bracha. Afilu in terms of that the bracha b'diavid is not chal. It's the hasnishkin bracha. But imagine somebody took off Shema without a bracha. The Shema is not chal. Pasha, the Shema is chal. So what does the Gemara mean? Rabbi Yossi, the Evin Nami Lo. What does it mean? Even with the Evin, the Cherish isn't good for the Shema. What does that mean? It wouldn't be Shema? Or the Gemara just means, you have to force it a little bit. The Gemara means, once I see that even with the Evin, you're not Yotze Shema if you can't hear it. And Kemokin, a Cherish who reads the Shema, Filu with the Evin, who reads the Megillah, Filu with the Evin, it's not a Megillah, certainly would not say... Achayr should ideally take off Jerma. That's all the Gemara means. A little force, but, but the, the positive language of the Gemara, the Evan Namilo, would seem to say that Achayr Shafilu, but the Evan can't take off Jerma. But what would the meaning of that be? How could that be? How could it be worse than not making a bracha? You're not, Jerma's not chal without a bracha? Okay, at any rate, we're totally stuck because we think that we've discovered a Tana that Afilu Lechatchila, you could take off 
that you don't have to hear. So the Gemara says, well, what do you want to say? Elamai Rabbi Yehuda, you want to push back that Rabbi Yehuda holds that even L'Chathchila, you could say it even though you can't hear. I feel L'Chathchila. But I'll clearly show you there's a Tana who holds that there's a split between L'Chathchila and B'Devet. Elah, the Tanya, L'Vechum, Berchaz, Mazen, Belibo. It's better not to say Berchaz, Mazen, Belibo. Belibo means if you're saying it without being able to hear. If you did it that way, you're Yotze. So Mani, we clearly see that there's someone who holds that L'Chathchila and B'Devet split. According to what you want to have, the doesn't work for the Evet. So what we're proving is clearly there's got to be three Tanam out there. There's got to be Rabbi Yossi who holds I feel the Evet, you have to hear what you're saying. There's got to be an opinion that says even the you don't have to hear. The person who says the Chayrish could take off Shuma. And then we've got, there's got to be a person who's making a split. So the Gemara explains, the price of Truma might be Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah's personal sheet does even L'Chathchila take off without hearing. There's a dispute between him and his Rabbi. From his Rabbeim, there's a split between L'Chathchila and B'Di Yudah says, in the name of Rabbi Yudah Azariah, someone who raises the Shema has to hear it. You have to hear it. You have to hear in your in your ear what you're reciting. We only care what you're concentrating, what's in your heart, what you're enunciating with your lips, even though you don't hear it. So basically what we're discovering is that it's Rabbi Yudah in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, who is saying that you should be able to hear what you're saying. So basically the point is, what we're coming out is that there's three opinions. There's Rabbi Yudah's personal shita that there's not even an ideal to hear what you're saying. That's the price that the Cheresh could take off Truma. And, 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 and according to him, L'Chathchila, Cheresh could be about Korea, so we have no issue. You might see he's saying the words, it's total mitzvah. He doesn't have to be able to hear. There's Rabbi Yudah in the name of his Rabbeim that it's a Chathchila to be able to hear what you're saying, but the or not. The Mishnah could be like them, and uh, it would just be preferable for the Cheresh not to say. And then we have Rabbi Yossi's opinion that if you can't hear what you're saying, it's Bechlal not uh, considered a bracha, a shma, or a reading of a Megillah. And says the Gemara, once we found that prize, now we could even say Rabbi Yossi agrees to this, remember Lazar ben Azariah, that it is preferable to hear the words, and that prize that the deaf mute can take off Truma is going like Remeir. In other words, we've discovered that there's someone who says, you could say it without hearing it, it could be Remeir. So we just went, switched the names. Instead of saying Rabbi Yossi disagrees with what he heard from his Rabbi, him, we could say, we could say instead that it's going like the opinion of Rabbi Meir. So it just ends up with the, the only distinction that just happened in the Gemara is whether or not what is Rabbi Yehuda Shita? Is it like his Rabbeim that well, you should be able to hear yourself, but the Evan, it's okay if you didn't, or is his personal Shita that Afilu you could be Yotze if you don't hear what you're saying.